Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, your go-to podcast for learning about New Hampshire legislation that might not make the news, but could still impact you. We've reached our final episode of this season, though we've been known to produce an off-season bonus episode at Now and Then. For this episode, we wanted to find a fun topic to wrap things up, something that captures the quirky glory of New Hampshire's legislative process. But first, I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Anna, every year, New Hampshire legislators consider a host of bills establishing commemorative days and naming bridges and highways after various notables. It's easy to overlook these bills as the product of legislative sausage making, but they say a great deal about how New Hampshire, by way of its legislators, sees itself. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at some of this year's naming bills and where they've ended up. First up, we have HB 140, which would establish Granny D Day. This bill would honor political activist Doris Granny D. Haddock of Dublin, New Hampshire, who walked 3,200 miles across the United States between 1999 and 2000 to promote campaign finance reform. She began when she was 88 and finished the journey at age 90. Granny D. Day would have been celebrated on Haddock's birthday, January 24th, but the House voted against the idea this February. All right, Anna, what do you think of this one? So I would just like to say that I think instead of just having a holiday for Granny D, we need a new granny, maybe Granny E, to walk across New Hampshire multiple times to get a move on from PDFs for the state's campaign finance system. The state campaign finance system is so obsessed with handwritten PDFs. They're not machine readable. And, you know, I would volunteer to walk across the state multiple times, but I'm not a granny. And I feel like we need that granny energy to get things done at this point. I mean, there was that bill just to make the reports legible, people. If you have to pass a law just to say we need to be able to read what you're writing, maybe there's an underlying problem we should examine. Yeah, it's definitely a low bar. So grannies, if you're out there listening, you know, take note. This is a a call. We need a new Granny D to take on this 21st century situation that we have. All right. Next up, HB 180, which would change. Now, this one's sort of a more famous topic. Change Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. This bill has been tabled in the House, pausing debate, but the contention around Columbus Day continues. Columbus Day is seen by some as a celebration of a brutal colonialist, others as an important part of Italian-American heritage and American heritage in general. Anna, what do you think of this one? Obviously, debate going to come back again and again and again. What's interesting about the bill this year, though, was the committee actually came up with a compromise that they were going to put forward, which was to just rename the day Italian-American Heritage Day. Like, just forget about Columbus, forget about indigenous people. We're just going to do Italian heritage. But that also went nowhere. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where no one seems to get happy. Yeah, I mean, I I look forward to talking about this bill with you again in another year or two. Yeah, this kind of brings up, and we're going to talk about it later on, but the change of Martin Luther King Day versus Civil Rights Day, and should it actually be named after Martin Luther King? And then it was this weird battle. Oh, yeah, New Hampshire dragged its feet on that one. Yep. Right, right. And then it ended up just being... Martin Luther King Day slash Civil Rights Day, which seems like a weird compromise, but you know, these this is New Hampshire. All right. So I know you brought some bills to the table. What do you, what do you have for us? Okay. First up, I have HB 189. This names a highway after private first class Nicholas Cornoyer. This bill, which is signed into law already by Governor Sununu, renames a portion of Route 140 in Gilmanton as the private first class Nicholas Cornoyer Highway. 
He was a native of Gilmanton, and he was only 25 years old when he was killed in Iraq by an improvised explosive device. Yes. Now, this, I mean, I think that's a great idea to to honor him. It reminded me a little bit of, lately I've been reading a book that was written by my friend Colin Garcia, but it's actually the third installment of the history of Hampton Falls, New Hampshire. And it's talking about the Lincoln Anchorman School and Lincoln Anchorman Bridge, which I had always heard about just living in Hampton, but didn't know that it was actually named after the first casualty in World War II from Hampton Falls, who was, a, I believe he was 26 years old and his name was Private Lincoln Anchorman. So this is actually a, a long tradition of naming, you know, important pieces of infrastructure or schools or whatever after people, you know, people from the town who've passed away and as casualties in war and stuff like that. So yeah, look for the blue signs. I was driving just the other day and I started to notice them on different bridges and roads. Exactly. All right. So what's an, what's another one for us? All right. Another bridge, actually. Another roadway. So this is HB20, which names a Merrimack Bridge after Honorable Richard Dick Hinch. This bill was signed into law honoring former New Hampshire Speaker of the House Dick Hinch, who occupied the office for just one week before passing away from COVID-19 at age 71. Hinch was a U.S. Navy veteran, held many volunteer civic positions, and served six terms in the New Hampshire House before his election to Speaker in 2020. In his remarks that day, he said, we may have different ideas, but we all want to do what we believe is right. And there is nothing political or partisan about that. Yeah, this just calls to mind that very dark time in American world history, American history, and also in New Hampshire history and the strife that was going on then. But I, you know, I think this is a a nice idea to name a bridge after him. Okay, here's one for you, Anna. HB 213, rename Little Haystack Mountain as Mount Kosciuszko, named after a Polish military engineer, statesman, and military leader who took part in the American Revolutionary War as a colonel in the Continental Army. The House voted down this bill in part because the mountain is on federal land. What do you think of this one? This one's interesting because usually when you get a renaming bill, like changing the name of something, it's often going back to a name that is indigenous or historical in some other way. So I thought this one was interesting. They were like, little haystack, nobody cares. Like, nobody cares about your haystack. We could be so much more impressive with this much more impressive name. And also it's cool because I never heard of this person. There's a lot of really cool pockets of New Hampshire history. And I think that the New Hampshire Historical Society actually has like a history scavenger hunt coming up pretty soon. So everybody go check that out. Sounds pretty awesome. Right. Totally. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was used to them reverting back to uh, indigenous names and stuff like that. In fact, I think reading some of the conversation on the internet about this, I think some people mistakenly thought that that's what was happening here. And it's like, this is a Polish name, actually. (laughs) Yes. The famous indigenous Poles of the Granite State. Yes. Yes. Okay, and then there's this one, which is uh, representative of a host of bills each year looking to bring awareness to different diseases, HB 33, which was established Polycystic Ovary Syndrome Awareness Day. This bill did not become law, but if it had, March 2nd would be established as PCOS Awareness Day. The disease impacts hormones during reproductive years, causing cysts to develop along the outer edge of the ovaries. Early diagnosis and treatment lowers risk of long-term complications, which is, of course, why awareness is particularly important. What do you think of that? So when you look at the committee report on this bill, they were like, you know, we pass these recognition days and then they just go into law and everybody forgets about them. So if we want to raise awareness of things, people should, you know, do events and have their own public awareness campaigns. And it's not really to be in state law. But then sometimes they're all for it. 
And I can't fully figure out why, but definitely there are, it is true, there are a whole lot of recognition days and weeks and months in state law that you're probably not familiar with. We do have our other episode on holidays that you should tune into once. Fortunately, I do not suffer from PCOS, but it can be a very, very hard road for people who suffer with that syndrome. So hats off to them, and hopefully by this podcast can raise awareness, even if they don't get their own awareness day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that would be the hardest part for me as a legislator is all the bills that are like, well, I don't see why we wouldn't do this, but also maybe there's not enough reason to do it given all of the other observances we already have that maybe people don't even know about those. And <laughs> For those who know, obviously I'm thinking back to the red-tailed hawk bill, making that the state raptor. We'll just drop that. If you know, you know. Oh, if you know, you very much know. All right, Anna, you have, you have more for me, right? Yes. So this is another one that did not become law. HB 65 would have established Dover Mill Girls Recognition Day. This would be honoring Dover Mill Girls on December 30th. It was the first all-women labor strike in the state of New Hampshire. On that day in 1828, some 600 female workers at the Cochico Manufacturing Company walked out in protest against a five-cent wage decrease from their 47-cent-a-day wages and other grievances. A House committee voted against this bill and noted this might not actually be the first women's labor strike in the United States, so that seemed to be kind of, they were kind of like, Dover Mills are, girls are awesome. Also, we don't want to put something in law that is slightly historically inaccurate. Sure. Yeah, I just, oh my gosh, if you want your blood to boil, just go read the history of that, though. Both the conditions they were working under, I actually, when I was researching this, I saw 47 cent and I assumed it was like an hour, which is already seems like even with inflation, that would have to be very low, but then 47 cent a day and they're getting a pay decrease and the conditions were, you know, I mean, they're, they're all the stories of, you know, girls getting their hair pulled out and loom, automatic looms and stuff like this, just like. That was, that was my nightmare from our school field trips to mill buildings was someone always had to bring up when the girl's hair got stuck. Like not even other body parts. It was always their hair. Yeah, exactly. And then the local paper, when they wrote about it, described it as as though, you know, like they had imaginary, some imaginary grievance that these girls had come up with. It's like, in what world was this not a re reasonable thing to be? I, I don't know. And they were working like 11 hour days. And I just can't even imagine living during that time. Probably children too at this point. Let's just throw all the bad labor things in. There were probably some children there too. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like ages 12 to 25 or something like that. Just yeah, right, quote unquote right. women. Right. Starting a very at age different 12. Time. All right. Now we have another one that's a little lighter though, right, Anna? Yes. This is HB 96, which establishes Old Man of the Mountain Day. And the governor did sign this one into law. So May 3rd is now officially Old Man of the Mountain Day. On that day in 2003, the iconic granite cliff formation on Cannon Mountain in Franconia, New Hampshire, collapsed. You know, it just bothers me so much that there are full-fledged adults who have no connection to the old man at all, have never had a chance to see it, were not even alive when it existed. I, it makes me feel very old, and it is uh, deeply unsettling. I definitely feel like without having actually heard anyone say this, that they may have put it in law because of that terror, that existential terror that they were like, this will cease to have ever been a thing unless we force people to remember it. I remember when it fell. I was in a classroom in high school, kind of sad, but did not have the emotional impact that it evidently did for some other legislators. 
I'll just go ahead and say it. There was a comment on the floor that compared it to the fall of the Twin Towers on 9-11. We will exclude any further commentary on the bill at this point, but that happened. It was very serious to some people. I will take their word for it on that one. I mean, nobody died when the it fell off, right? Nobody was crushed by the old man. Just checking. Right, right. Just apparently that person's uh, spirit was definitely okay. crushed. Cool. So this is just a sampling of 2023 bills seeking to name New Hampshire holidays, bridges, and more. You can see a complete list at citizenscount.org bills by selecting the state names and icons category. And you can also learn about the difference between official state holidays and observances in our episode of $100 plus mileage from back in season one on the topic. And you can find that by going to citizenscount.org podcast. Okay, now this whole episode has felt a bit like an only in New Hampshire, but we still have that segment coming up. So Anna, what trivia do you have for us this week? All right. We've touched on this in the past on that holiday episode, but it really deserves its own feature today. Let's talk about Fast Day. So Fast Day was a New Hampshire holiday held on the fourth Monday in April until 1991 when it was abolished. And that's important because I'm about to tell you what this is. According to the New Hampshire Almanac, Fast days were a common occurrence in the early days of the colonies. They were days of public humiliation, fasting, and prayer, proclaimed by the royal governors of the colonies to avert or repent for calamities such as plagues, earthquakes, crop failures. I remember there was like, you know, wasn't there a crazy summer where there was just complete freezeovers of their crops? So we'll just also throw out like volcanoes and whatever else. Fast days were generally held before the spring planting, and a Thanksgiving day was held after the harvest. So sort of like bookend, you get like your really sad, we're awful people day, and then your really thankful, we're great day. They were celebrated with a sermon, abstinence from secular pursuits, and at least partial abstinence from eating, which is a really funny way of saying fasting. In 1991, they did replace fast day with Civil Rights Day in New Hampshire, which later became Martin Luther King Jr. Civil Rights Day which once again, we talk about in that other episode, but they chose fast day because they really did not want to create a completely new holiday out of thin air. They were like, people have enough days off, but I would just like to point out, it doesn't really sound like fast day was a day off. I mean, maybe in 1991, no one was sitting around, you know, fasting, but at the same time, that's what they were supposed to be doing. That doesn't sound like a holiday to me. That just sounds really sad. Yeah, I like the uh, the obvious consternation that the legislature feels over the the pressure of, are we naming the right holidays? Do we have too many holidays? Should this be a holiday? Like, it's, it seems like it takes up a lot of mental real estate for the legislature. It is high stakes. Yes, Holiday exactly. debates in the legislature are very high stakes. Exactly, exactly. If this episode teaches you nothing else, it's that. Well, sadly... That wraps up this episode and season of $100 Plus Mileage, but you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Granite State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by me, Mike Dunbar. And lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people. 